This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Damanjeet Shobi, who is the Vice President of Clinical Affairs at Clover Health. Damanjeet, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. You know, it's a pleasure to be here uh, and have this conversation with you. Fantastic. And I know, you know, we've got a lot to talk about. I'm excited to learn more about what you're doing at Clover Health and really, you know, get behind the scenes on, on some of the projects that you're working on and what you're excited about. But before we dive in to my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. So, um, you know, as um, as you mentioned, um, I'm Daminji Chabe. I'm the Vice President of Clinical Affairs at Clover Health and kind of deeply involved in leading um, healthcare delivery models that drive value for our Medicare beneficiaries. And I would say that I have many years of experience in the healthcare field as a physician leader um, in clinical medicine. Um, Two of my uh, special focus of interest really have been hospital medicine, palliative care, um, I'm, uh, you know, I have a master's in public health. I have taught, you know, public health at New York Medical College. So certainly I've been a physician leader in clinical medicine, public health, population health management, focusing on value-based care. Um, and majority of my work actually prior to coming to Clover was really at a, um, you know, at a healthcare system level. Um, and one of the other aspects of my work that I think has given me particular satisfaction over the years really have been mentoring and training the next generation of healthcare practitioners. Um, it's really been an interesting experiential learning for me. Um, I think a journey that I continue to enjoy every day um, because I'm just so accompanied by these incredibly talented and passionate people, uh, you know, along my, along the various roles and uh, programs that I have designed. It's been fun. Well, that's great to hear. And it seems like, you know, it's been just a, a wonderful journey you've been on. And so I'm wondering if you're looking at um, where you're at today, what are you most excited about? What really, um, you know, ha has been some great things that you've been doing at Clover Health and would love to hear about that. Sure. I mean, I'm happy to share, um, Laura. Um, you know, I think I'm most excited uh, about the impactful work that we are doing at Clover Health. It, Obviously, you know, Clover Health is an MA plan. Uh, we are focused on Medicare. Um, and you know that, uh, you know, Medicare spend is constitutes about what, roughly like about $900 billion, which is um, about 21 to 22% of our national health care expenditure, right? And it was like topping at $4.5 last year. So, I mean, uh, you know, I think for us, Medicare population is our patient population, if that's our members. We know that the Medicare population is both growing as well as aging. So most of the members are going to have and do have, uh, you know, few to several chronic health conditions. And so I think one of the most important focus for this population with chronic condition is our ability to proactively manage and avoid these preventable health crises and these episodes that, that are just you know, they kind of lead to this low-value care, such as, you know, people with asthma. They land in the emergency room, um, you know, with crises. Um, sometimes because they just didn't have the medication. They didn't have access to the right care with the right person at the right time. Um, they did not know how to use their inhalers. Um, they didn't have the family support. I mean, there's so many things we know that are 
kind of either the medical reasons or the social reasons that drive these kind of crisis situation. And um, I think that's really the key. How can we get, you know, ahead of that, ahead of that crisis? So um, we are very focused on decreasing this very low value care for our members and breaking this vicious circle of hospitals, nursing homes, homes, um, you know, for the seriously ill population also. Uh, because we know hospital care is expensive. It's 30% of our national health expenditure. And really it should be used for those very acute care conditions that require urgent attention. I've been on that side, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, and many a times I would wonder uh, when I would see, you know, members, um, you know, patients in the emergency room, like this could have been taken care of at home. Um, you know, why did they have to land and wait and wait to get, um, you know, get treatments that could have actually been delivered in the safety of their, uh, you know, familiar environment at home? And we could have just prevented some of those crises. So I think, I think that's really very, very important. Um, and one of the things, Laura, I feel that, you know, that's the unique differential at Clover Health, right? So we have our MA plan that is anchored on one side by our technology arm, which is the Clover Assistant technology. And the other arm really is this very robust home-based clinical practice that we have. So, um, you know, the technology arm, which is cloud-based, it's AI-powered, uh, Clover Assistant platform, it helps us to gather and, you know, actually present meaningful data to our clinicians. It aggregates, it synthesizes, kind of normalizes all those disparate data streams, um, but it actually then converts it into some actionable clinical insight for clinicians who are managing um, this very, you know, this growing older elderly population um, with their chronic diseases. On the other hand, we have a very powerful lever at, you know, at Clover Health, which is our Clover Home Care Clinical Practice. And so our, what we do really is provide home-based services to our members, both in terms of in-person and for virtual care for our rising risk and our most complex members. And really what we have done um, over the past year is really finessed our approach in understanding our members' needs so that once we know, we do a very comprehensive assessment of their medical and social needs, and once we know what those needs are, what are going to be those, um, you know, how do we mitigate that risk or how do we reduce that, you know, probability of something bad happening to them, an adverse event happening to them, that crisis situation that I talked about. So we tailor the services um, for our patients based on where they are in their healthcare journey. All our members, like all, you know, they are eligible for our Clover Care visit that does this comprehensive assessment. But then out of them, some people will have an exacerbation. We always try and actually do a home visit for our members when they are discharged from the hospital because that is a vulnerable time. I cannot even tell you how frequently we have, you know, our nurse practitioners or physicians, um, you know, have to actually manage that post-acute phase, so that actually it avoids them getting back into the hospital. So that's really important. And for our very, very, you know, complex people, we have multiple touch points across the year. We want to have an eye on, 
you know, are they managing their disease well? Has something else happened that is going to lead to crisis or an adverse event? How can we mitigate any of those risk factors? How do we care connect with their other providers, right? Their primary care physicians, the specialists who are involved in their care plan. So, I mean, this is a lot of work, but I think it's a worthy endeavor and it's meaningful work. Um, and then at the last end, we have the seriously ill population. So we have a very intensive home-based care program for our seriously ill, um, you know, members who have a limited life expectancy, um, and they are managed by our supportive care teams with the goal that we keep them home, we keep them where they want to be, um, and we focus on quality of care. So I think we have this very, very comprehensive, uh, you know, care plan on our Clover home care side, which is a very robust clinical practice like any other practice. And we are talking about thousands of members, um, you know, being touched by um, these services. And they are above and beyond just a general care management kind of a service that most health plans would, uh, you know, have to offer. So th this is actually, actually taking care of patients. Um, and then, you know, as I said, we have a powerful technology tool that kind of helps us, uh, you know, in kind of understanding the details around this. So I think the good news is that we see great outcomes with this coordinated and integrated approach because we are combining, so combining this meaningful data with clinical management. You know, our CA technology allows us to identify diseases earlier than the norm. You know, for example, I think, um, you know, our company has published some white papers you know, early recognition of chronic kidney disease, early recognition of diabetes um, that leads to the right intervention and avoids complications. Our high-touch home care program has significant cost savings per member per month. And on to top it all, by the way, um, Laura, I think the one thing that I want to share is that the NPS scores are consistently above 90%, which kind of reflects that, you know, if they reflect that the patient's um, their perception of, um, you know, the high-value high care they are receiving. So I think it's been a very exciting, uh, you know, year or two for me to be part of, like, designing and developing, uh, you know, and finessing uh, the next level of our care delivery models. Um, and I, uh, and this is a, you know, this is an ongoing work, right? We have to continually do better. So really been, this has been exciting. That's great to hear. And certainly a lot of accomplishments, um, you know, in, in a really um, great taking advantage of opportunities to help patients really experience access to care and quality care, whether it's, you know, within the clinic or um, hospital or at home. Mm -hmm. It just seems like there are so many different opportunities here. But I, mm -hmm. I know there are challenges as well. Um, what makes you nervous mm -hmm. when you're looking ahead? <laughs> Well, I think, you know, for sure, right, uh, you know, I, I think it's the unknowns, right, Laura? I mean, I think sometimes we just don't know. Like, we can deal with what's in front of center, what's in front of us, but I think keeping an eye on, like, the unknowns and stuff, like a black swan event, like this COVID-19 pandemic that we just went through, um, right? I mean, what else could happen? Uh but on the other hand, I do strongly believe in the resilience of human beings. Um, I think, uh, you know, for all our fallacies, by the way, um, you know, there is something to be said for some structural strength uh, within our systems, you know, uh, across the country and across the healthcare systems. People just respond 
and have gone above and beyond at times of crisis and have actually managed to come through. So, um, you know, I think that is there, there is that, um, you know, um, kind of being nervous about the unknowns. I, I do think that political and economic environment, right, I mean, major changes in those fields um, can bring in the unexpected. Uh, you know, you're on one course and you have developed a plan and you're moving forward and, and then there's suddenly a wrench, uh, you know, um, and then you have to pivot and you have to change. And uh, so, I, I mean, I think those are the kind of things, but fundamentally, um, I'm a believer uh, that, uh, you know, we kind of think um, and put our heads together and a believer in high-performing teams, the diversity of thoughts that we can collect, that collective wisdom always leads to good action items. And ultimately, if your patients and your members get the right care at the right time, um, I think that's the biggest fulfillment. So I, um, you know, um, I would say really kind of like, I'm, I, I, you know, nervous about the unknowns, but I, with all my years of experience, I have great faith uh, uh, in all of us. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And definitely, you know, it can be nerve wracking, especially after the last few years that we lived through um, to yeah. try to look into the crystal ball and, and see where things are headed. But um, certainly it sounds like you've got, as you mentioned, a great plan and, and definitely, um, you know, a lot to be excited about now. I know healthcare is changing a lot, and especially as you mentioned, you know, taking healthcare and care at home, um, you know, mm -hmm. in, in that kind of model very seriously. Um, what will leaders need in order to be effective over the next two to three years or so? What do they have to mm -hmm. think about as they're planning strategy for their health system, as well as, you know, working with their teams, motivating their teams, and trying to um, think through um, what's going to be most impactful for them? Yeah, I mean, I think excellent question, Laura. I think, you know, I mean, obviously, all healthcare leaders, wherever they are, whether they are in the healthcare system world or they are on the payer side, the you know, the provider side, whichever way they are, um, you know, you are a physician leader or you are a non-physician leader. I think everyone always um, kind of um, has the revenue and cost equation right in front and center of them, and it's important. However, I think for us to be successful as healthcare leaders in general, I would say it's just like sometimes we get so caught up with what we, what we do on a daily basis that um, we tend to forget to pay attention to what's happening in the environment um, you know, around us, right? I, I feel that leaders, we just need to be more open-minded. We just need to be more agile um, and exercise a versatile leadership style, you know, um, in order to be effective, in order to be impactful, because healthcare landscape is continually changing, right? So, uh, although, and, and, and I would say that managing these headwinds and tailwinds can be both exhilarating, but also overwhelming. So, we have to pay attention in the context of the wide range of roles and responsibilities all of us play within our organizational um, structures that have a pulse on the health policy changes that impact our work. I would say have insight into advances in science and technology that impact medical care. Because each year, as you know, we're gonna find um, that you know, science and technology is offering us new ways um, you know, to 
you know, to diagnose and treat diseases. So new procedures, new medications. So I think the impact of both of them in terms of access and cost of care is probably on the top of our mind of all healthcare executives in 2024. I, I also think that, you know, the, the impact of the AI technology, particularly, there's a lot of buzz. Everything is about AI, AI, AI. But I think we have to think, what is it under our area of, you know, our sphere of influence? And can it improve efficiencies? Can it actually help identify members who are at risk for adverse events? Can it help us diagnose things, you know, early, better, and more effective treatment and build efficiencies? So I think we cannot just accept everything or reject everything, but we have to be thoughtful in those decisions. Um, you know, what is it that we will include in our armamentarium um, and how much to include? Um, that, I think, is going to be a very important thing for all of us um, in this leadership space to think about. And one last thing I would say is that, you know, one area that we tend to overlook is, you know, workforce management. I think employee engagement, employee retention has become increasingly important, um, you know, given given all the labor issues, given all the things that are happening, you know, in health, in the healthcare industry, but I driving clinical excellence in our workforce is something that we should pay attention to. Everyone, um, I think, has this sense of professional satisfaction when they know that they're they are delivering the best care that they can provide. But in order to do that, it's really important that we continuously train our workforce in the new and the latest and the greatest, but also, uh, you know, involve them. Uh, because a train and a happy workforce, even though that's a dream, but if that is achieved, it yields just phenomenal success. And I've seen that in my, you know, in my professional career, um, you know, as I mentioned, you know, part of my work really always has been to, you know, look at and engage with the next level, the next generation of healthcare practitioners. Um, and that learning that, you know, kind of like lifelong learning exercise, it's a give and take. But I, I do think that workforce, workforce management is and, you know, is, is an important area for all healthcare executives to think about. I love it. I think that makes so much sense and certainly will be fascinating to see how the healthcare workforce evolves, especially with technology. And then too, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, you know, organizations just really being focused on the cost equation. Damanjeet, thank yeah. you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun and interesting conversation, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you, Laura. My pleasure. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there.